0: Good morning. Good to see you guys. I wonder if you uh, have one of these. We probably all have one somewhere. It's our God box. And inside, tucked away safely, is our image of who God is in our lives. You see, throughout our lifetime, we have been collecting things that we have heard and things that we have experienced, and we have been inside of this box, in a sense, forming our image of who God is and how He works in our lives. What if our image of God is too small? What if our image of God is too weak? What if our image of God is too limited? What if we were to discover that God is far bigger and more powerful and much more real in our lives than we have allowed Him to be. Well, for the next few weeks, I want to spend some time helping to grow our understanding of who God is and how He really works in our lives. Now, this topic is, we could probably talk about who God is for years. So certainly we won't begin to cover it all in the next five weeks. But here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that over the course of the next five weeks, that God will grow inside of each of us our understanding of who He is and how He works, even just a little bit. Because just imagine in each of our lives the difference that could be there if our understanding of who God is and how He works in our lives were to grow even a little bit. And I'm also hoping that God will place within every one of us a lifelong desire to pursue Him and to know Him deeply. So I want us to open our box up and begin to look inside of it and begin to understand who God really is. I want to begin by trying to expand our view a little bit of how God sees the world. Because I think often we have tried to put God in a box when it comes to how He views the world. Now, our culture, certainly in recent years, has become much more global, hasn't it? Because of travel and technology and communication, in many ways it seems like the world today is much smaller than it once was. But even though that is true, I think we still tend to be very nationalistic in our thinking. Here's what I mean by that. I think we still tend to think only about our country, and we don't often think much beyond the borders of our country. And when it comes to God's love, here's how I think we think. We think, you know, God loves me, and I'm pretty sure He loves the people in my neighborhood. And He probably loves the people in California too. But much beyond that, we're not really convinced, if we're honest. Let me illustrate what I mean. Let me read to you a very familiar verse. In fact, it's probably the one verse that almost everybody knows from the Bible. It's John 3.16, and it simply says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. Now, if you are totally honest this morning, when you hear me read those words, for God so loved the world, here's what I think most of us think if we're really honest. We think, well, that's true. God loves me. And God loves my family. And yeah, God loves that friend that I have that lives in Indiana. But when you hear the world's words, for God so loves the world, if you're really honest this morning, do you ever think about a little boy named Saddam in Iraq? Or Jacques in France? Or Boris who lives in Bulgaria? Or Anna from Russia? You see, if we're really honest, I don't think we do because that doesn't fit in the box that we have tried to place God in when it comes to His view of the world. Let me ask you this. How many of you over, let's say, the last three months, have either prayed yourself or heard somebody encourage you that you ought to pray for American soldiers in Afghanistan and Iraq? How many of you, that would be true? Yeah, quite a few of us. During that same time period, if you're honest this morning, how many of you have thought, you know, I ought to pray for the people who are in Al-Qaeda or the citizens of Iraq? How many of you would admit, and not very many of us put our hands up for that, have we? Because it doesn't fit in our image of the fact that God cares about the whole world. You know what? Since the moment that God created the heavens and the earth, He has loved the whole world. He has loved every person on the earth. And He has loved them with a love that is extravagant, a love that is incomprehensible, He has loved them, every person, with a love that is indiscriminate. He loves people who even to us may seem unworthy of His love. He loves someone who lives in Ecuador as deeply and as passionately as He loves someone who lives in Cape Coral. He loves every person. But we struggle with that a little bit, don't we? To fully understand how He could love the whole world. You know, think about this for a minute. I want you to picture in your mind, I want you to picture the person on this planet that you like the least. Do you have a mental image of that? Can I remind you this morning that God loves that person with an extravagant love? I want you to think in your mind, picture the person that you think seems most unworthy of God's love. And then could I remind you that God loves that person with an extravagant love? There are people in all of our lives that we have a hard time, if we're honest, admitting that God really could love them. When we heard the story in our city this week about the 15-year-old boy who stabbed his mother, for some of us that hit very close to home around here. But for others of you, you really don't know him Never heard of him. What was your first thought? Did it ever cross your mind that God loved that young man extravagantly? He does. You know, when I asked you to picture the person that you like the least, a few of you in this room pictured yourself, didn't you? And when I said to you, would you picture the person that seems most unworthy of God's love? You saw yourself, didn't you? I want to tell you this morning that God has you right in the center of the crosshairs of His love. He loves you extravagantly. You, your picture, was on His mind when He sent His only Son to die an excruciating death on the cross. God loves you extravagantly this morning. And that love, when we realize it in our lives, has the power to drastically change who we are. In fact, that's what the Bible says. Listen to these verses from the Bible. The writer says, and may you have the power to understand. He says, I want you to be able to really grasp this. I want you to be able to get your minds around this. May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, And how deep His love really is. May you experience the love of Christ. The writer says, I I want you to experience this. I want you to know how deep and wide God loves you. Then he says this, Though it is so great, you may never fully understand it. And it's so true. This love of God is so extravagant. It is beyond what our minds can really wrap themselves around. But the writer here says, if you'll just even understand it partially, here's what will happen to you in your life. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You see, when we recognize the love of God in our lives, it gives us a sense of power and a sense of fulfillment that we can't find in anything else. It changes our lives in a way that nothing else will change us when we grow to fully understand or even partially understand the depth of God's love for us. Well, Jesus, in an instant in His life, gives us another picture of God's love. And interestingly enough, Jesus, as He paints this picture of God's love, invites us to share the passion that God has for the world. I want us to look at that briefly for a moment. If you'll turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 28, and I encourage you, if you have your Bible this morning, to go ahead and open it there so you can look at this with me. If you don't have a Bible today, I encourage you as you uh, leave, there are uh, on the tables at the entrances, there are some Bibles. Take one of those. It's our gift to you. Uh, keep it as your own. And when you come back the next time, uh, bring it with you and uh, open it up as we study together. This is towards the uh, end of Jesus' time here on earth. It's after his uh, death and resurrection. And... Uh, He has this encounter with some of his followers. Listen to what happens. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee. Now remember, there were originally twelve disciples, but this is after Jesus' death and resurrection. So Judas, who betrayed Jesus, has taken his own life, and now there are only eleven disciples remaining. They went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. This was a predetermined meeting that Jesus said, I want to have with you. I want to meet you at this spot at this time. Now, I I picture that the 11 disciples get there ahead of Jesus. I wonder what their conversations are about. Because remember, in the days that lead up to this, their friend, their Savior, has died on a cross and has come back from the dead. And I'm sure they are talking about all of the events that have taken place and they are wondering, what is Jesus going to say to us today in fact it says when they saw him they worshiped him but some doubted some of them were still having trouble getting their minds around what had happened in Jesus life then Jesus came to them and he said this and as he speaks to them that day he doesn't speak just to them these are words that Jesus intended to echo across the timeline of history these are words that Jesus spoke to us as well he said all authority In heaven and on earth has been given to Me. In other words, I have the authority to tell you what I'm about to say. He says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Here's the first thing I notice about this. Jesus says, Go. Or, The verb tense there would allow us to translate it, as you go. Jesus says, you go, and as you go, I want you to live out the mission of God. You see, our God is a missionary God. God is on a mission to reach every single person in the world with His redeeming message of Jesus Christ. God wants a restored relationship with every man, woman, and child on the earth. You see, at some point, every man, woman, and child, because of their own sin, has been separated from God. God wants to restore that relationship. It's part of His character. Because of that extravagant love that we talked about a few minutes ago, God wants to restore this relationship. And so He is on a mission to make that happen. But here's the interesting thing. God wants this mission to be carried out in a very personal way. And so He has invited us, Christ followers, to join Him in this mission. He's invited us and said to us, as you go, every day, wherever you find yourself, I want you to join Me in pointing people to Jesus. Every day, as you live life, I want you to do what you can to demonstrate God's love to other people. Would you join Me in this mission? I heard about a monastery where there was a kind of new student who had joined them. And this new student was called in uh, to the abbot's office one day and uh, given some instructions and then said, now tomorrow in chapel, I want you to give the homily or give the message. Well, this guy, probably like a lot of us, was uh, terrified of standing in front of a group of people and talking. So he began to just worry himself to death about what am I going to say? How is this going to go? Well, chapel rolled around the next day and there was a small crowd of people who gathered And it was his moment finally to get up. And his palms are sweating. His knees are knocking. He is shaking. It's all he can do to get anything out of his mouth. And so he says to the people who have gathered, do you know what I'm going to say? Well, almost in unison, they all shook their heads. No. He said, well, neither do I. Let's stand and pray. Well, the abbot was furious. Called him into his office afterwards and said, that is not going to work. Tomorrow you're going to do it again. And this time you do it right. Do you understand me? Yes, sir. Well, the next day again, he gets up, he is still terrified, his knees are knocking, and he says again, do you know what I'm going to say? Well, this time the crowd is a little bit larger and they think they do know what he's going to say, so they all shake their heads, yes. He said, well, then I don't need to say it. Let's stand and pray. Well, the abbot is furious again. He calls him into his office and says, tomorrow you're going to do it again. You do it right this time or I am going to confine you to your room. We're going to feed you bread and water. You will be punished for several days. You do it right this time. Well, the next day, the word had spread. There was an enormous crowd that had filled the chapel, waiting to see what he would say. Again, very timidly, he stood at the podium, knees knocking, and he said, do you know what I'm going to say? Well, at this point, they weren't sure. So some of them nodded their heads, yes. The others said, no. He said this, well, then those who know, tell those who don't, let's stand and pray. Jesus said, every day, as you go, as you live life, Those of us who know about God's love are to tell those who don't know. And every day as you live your life, you will encounter people who don't know about God's love. And every day we ought to be thinking, what can I do today to show somebody that God loves them? Next, Jesus says, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. Really what He's saying is I want you to go and be a part of God's mission and take it to every person on the earth. I want you to go to every single people group. You see, Jesus says this command, this command is not a local command. This is a global command. This is a global mission that Jesus has invited us to join God in. It's not just for our neighborhood. It's not just for our city. It is a global mission for every man, woman, and child in the world. God's invited us to be part of that. And at Crosspoint, we are committed. We're committed to reaching our community, people who are living far from God right here and connecting them in a relationship with Jesus Christ. But we are also committed to doing what we can to take His message globally to reach people. Since our very beginning, we have been involved in reaching out globally. Globally. We have chosen, uh, at least initially, to be involved in the country of Bulgaria, specifically to the gypsies of Bulgaria, a group of people who largely do not know anything about Jesus Christ and God's incredible love for them. Since our very beginning, we have financially been involved in sending money to those who are serving in Bulgaria. We have sent people, some of you have been there. We've uh, had three different groups of people go over to Bulgaria and to be a part of what's going on there. And uh, last year, one year ago, just about this week, I think, we sent our first resident missionaries from Crosspoint to the country of Bulgaria. Dave and Mara Pickering are in Bulgaria right now. This is Dave and Mara, pictured there with uh, Joanna Regal from our church, and that's uh, Abigail, their uh, daughter, who's growing and healthy. Dave and Mara are currently living in the uh, capital city of Sofia, Bulgaria. You can see on the map here. They are learning the language and learning the culture and preparing themselves. And in a short period of time, they are going to be moving to the southern part of the country to uh, Vellongrand. And you can see that on the map. And they will begin uh, serving there with uh, some people that maybe some of you know, Gabe and Melissa Hillman. And they are going to be reaching out to the gypsies around Vellongrand. Specifically, they are going to target Turkish gypsies who have a Muslim background because Dave and Mara have a huge heart. Uh, for people who are uh, caught up in the world of being Muslims and uh, all of the falsehood that is taught as a part of that. At Crosspoint, let me just give you a picture of our uh, financial involvement in missions. Fifteen percent of everything that's given in every one of our offerings on Sunday mornings goes to mission work and to helping and being part of God's global mission. Twelve and a half percent of that goes global outreach Uh, two and a half percent of that 15 percent goes to planting churches here in America in regions and cities uh, where there are not very many healthy churches that are clearly teaching the truth and the love of God and so we're involved in that way but uh, as you can see there's a brochure like this if you want to pick one up on your way out that talks about our global outreach a little more detail we don't want to just be financially involved because if we understand clearly what Jesus asked us to do here it was more than just throwing money at it. It's about us being hands-on involved. And so as we sent Dave and Mara, our goal with them was that we would be as hands-on involved in what they're doing as we possibly can. And so we try to keep track of different needs that they have and send them things that they can't get in Bulgaria. Uh, We try to help them out with some special financial needs. We continue uh, to send people over there regularly. I'm uh, headed back. Uh, Peg and I are planning to go in uh, January or February of next year uh, to see them and to encourage them, and to do some leadership training. Um, we also try to help them, like I said, with some special needs. And uh, this during this series of messages, in addition to the 15% that we already give the missions, we're going to give an additional 2% that will go directly to Dave and Mara to help them buy a, a vehicle. While they've been in Sofia, uh, they have great public transportation there, but as they move down to Velingrad, they're going to need their own transportation to get out uh, to the surrounding communities, to the gypsies, and so we're going to try to help them. They've been saving a large sum of their own money, and hopefully what we'll be able to do over the next five weeks will get them close to their goal and allow them uh, to purchase that. Well, um, I uh, still have a lot to learn about uh, computers and all that stuff, but I have learned how to Skype, and uh, we're going to give it a try here this morning and see if we can talk to Dave and Mara. Um, in first service, it sort of worked. And then we lost the connection. So let's we'll see what happens here. Hello. Hey, how are you?
1: We're good.
0: Thanks. Well, let uh, see how this.
1: Yeah. Very good. <laughs> Sounds good.
0: Well, uh, there's another uh, room full of people here who are uh, happy to see you guys and uh, anxious to hear kind of what's going on. So why want you just start off by kind of telling us what's been happening in your life lately.
1: Well, sure. Well, we just also, in case there's any problems, we just want to say we love everybody and miss you guys and really appreciate your support. Um, we we'll give you a short update of kind of where we are. We got here a year ago on June the 6th, so we just celebrated our first anniversary And basically, we've been doing uh, language school and language help for this duration, and we're continuing to to do that as we figure out that uh, each new situation requires a totally new uh, vocabulary with uh, new technical words. So that's kind of where we're at right now, and Mara's also doing the same thing.
2: Um, And one of the things, too, is I'm about four months pregnant, and so um, I'm very some vocabulary that I learn as well, uh, just trying to prepare for my doctor's appointments and things like that. Um, and then besides that, just in our everyday lives, we're uh, basically building relationships with uh, the people that God puts in our path.
0: In fact, uh, tell me about that. Tell me about some of the relationships you've been building with people in Sophia.
2: Well, um, one of the things that I do is um, here. It's very culturally appropriate to give Adelis high for uh moms to take their kids to the park every day and we have a (laughs) we have a park right across the street from our house and um, i take abigail there and there's lots of children her age who are playing there and um, we go and i try to talk to the moms there and i'm slowly building some relationships there um some of the most exciting relationships we've been building are with um some of Our neighbors who are older ladies, um, they call themselves babas or grandmas. And uh, uh, we just really feel like they've really accepted us and um, they look out for us. They love us and Abigail and and we really love them too. And we, we really feel like that's where we've been able to have some some good conversations and uh, learn a lot from them about Bulgarian culture and Bulgarian thinking and um, also feel like we're still in the process of uh, building those deeper, but think that there's a lot of opportunities there.
1: Yeah, one of the guys that uh, I wanted to share about was a guy named Ignacio. Uh, He works in the market and uh, every day I walk to the language school that I go to, it's about a 20 minute walk. And usually I try to walk back through the market on the way home and, and talk to the different people. We've gotten to know quite a few people there. And Ignacio is an older man who's retired, but he, uh, his pension doesn't pay for everything, so he owns a little kiosk there that sells various kitchen, kitchen stuff. And uh, I've gotten to really talk to him a lot and gotten to know his perspective on the evangelical church in Bulgaria and some of the struggles that he has with it. And then uh, recently he told me that he's an an atheist and uh, really just thinks that anybody who believes the Ten Commandments and those things, it's just not possible. And and so I've had some really good conversations with him and we're really encouraged that we can at least go to that level at this point and looking forward to continuing to build that relationship with uh, Ignacio.
0: That's very cool. Hey, uh, why don't you talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about uh, the need you have for your vehicle and uh, how you'll use that and some stuff like that.
2: Okay. Well, uh, one of the things that uh, we learned after we moved here is that um, culturally, most people do take public transportation up until they have their first child. Um, and so, obviously, we have a child and a second one on the way. So, uh, culturally, it's uh, definitely very appropriate for us to have a car at this point in our um, just in our our life. Um, the other thing too is that. Uh, with the way the bus systems work, especially uh, to leave the city of Sofia, especially to visit places, for instance, like Velingrad, where we plan to be ministering long term, um, the bus systems work out in such a way that it's a, a lot of, it's a bit longer journey, and that um, we end up having to stay maybe an extra.
0: Oops. Okay. Let's try real quick. Let's try one time to get them back. Okay. Yeah, we'll try it again. We uh, lost you you about... Yeah, we can hear you. Can you hear us? Can you hear us? Yes. Oh, no. Okay, we'll leave it at that. You got to hear way more than they did in first service. We lost them on the first question then. So. So Jesus says, Go to all peoples, he talks about how to, the process of making disciples, which is a whole other talk some other time. And then he says this at the very end. He says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Uh, you've heard me talk before about uh, the year that I lived in uh, Indianapolis and I attempted to be a lumber salesman. And if you haven't heard that whole story, you can ask me sometime and I'll tell you the very incredible details. But uh, during that time, while I was working at, at the lumber yard, there was an instance where I uh, sold an entire kitchen uh, worth of cabinets and countertops to a, a couple. And uh, when I would go to meet with them, there were a couple of times that I met with them all by myself. And in those moments, I felt so inadequate. There was so much that I didn't know, so many things that I wasn't really sure I was doing correctly. Most of the time when I met with this couple, my boss would go with me because it was a pretty big sale and we didn't want to mess it up. And I want to tell you, those times when Ron was with me, infused me with confidence. Because I knew that all the stuff that I didn't know, He did. And whatever questions they might ask that I couldn't answer, He'd be able to. And just having Him at my side in those moments infused me with confidence. Jesus said, Go. Go to all peoples. Every day as you go, you look for opportunities to point people to Jesus. But He said, here's my promise to you. As you go, I'll be with you. I'll be there to help you in this process. And that infuses me with confidence. As I encounter people, as I have the opportunity to point people to Jesus, I am reminded that Jesus is with me. I don't have to do it alone. He's walking along with me. In fact, as Christ followers, that is true for every area of our life. Whatever difficulty you may be facing, Jesus has said to us, I'll be with you all the time. All the time. And that infuses me with confidence to join God in His quest to share His story with all of the world. When it comes to our view of the world, I'd encourage us this morning. We need to take God out of our box. And we need to be reminded that God extravagantly loves not just America, but the whole world. God, thank You for Your love for each of us. Thank You for Your love for the world. And God, would You help us to love the world the way You do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.